This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is Wins and Losses with Clay Travis. Clay talks with the most entertaining people in sports, entertainment, and business. Now, here's Clay Travis. Welcome in weekly podcast wins and losses. I hope you guys are enjoying this series. We are having a lot of fun. If you're enjoying it, go give us a five-star rating and make fun of our most recent guest, Joel Klatt. You can also make fun of our current guest, Rachel Bonetta, at Rachel Bonetta on Twitter. She is already there, uh, and we are ready to roll. You can watch her on Lock It In every single weekday, Monday to Friday, now that we're into Season 2, from uh, at 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central, 2.30 Mountain, and 1.30 Pacific, we are on for an hour, at least five days a week. And uh, I don't know a lot about Rachel Bonetta's background, uh, other than the fact that she's an awful Canadian who doesn't shower very often. So I'm actually curious to find out some of this information myself. So, uh, Rachel, first of all, thanks for coming on. First off, um, really sorry. I did not realize that we were supposed to give you five stars. I gave you one. I don't think I <laughs> yeah, can join go back the and change it. Um, yeah, really you. sorry about that. Yeah, so I'm excited you. to be here. Excited to chat with you. Um, you're right. We work together every single day, and I think that we know kind of like surface level information about each other. But uh, I guess I'm excited to spill all my dirty, juicy secrets on this podcast. Well, I mean, I would say more than surface level because your mom and I have been dating for a while. Okay, but I, we really not, don't talk. Yeah, we, we really, really don't talk that. Yeah, that's how we're going to start. We really don't talk that much about you. It's more about our relationship than it is yours with your oh, mom. Oh, why did I ever agree to do this? Yeah, honestly. that's a good question. Well, honestly, uh, I thought you were going to give me the Heisman on this because you were nervous. Why were you nervous to come on the show? I think I was nervous because you know I feel like every other podcast that I've done, which is not many by any means. Um, it's been all just surface level. Again, it's it's all like, you know, what have you been doing the last two years and how do you like your job and what do you aspire to do in the future? And it's all been very, like, boring 
uh, stuff, and and I feel like you're going to ask me questions that are going to make me uncomfortable <laughs> and have to answer them because I've agreed to do this already. Uh, all right, but so no, I, I'm ex- I'm excited. Let's make you uncomfortable right off. The- so first of all, I hear what I here's what I know about you. You grew up in Canada. You have three older brothers, which mm-hmm. makes our show almost a little bit of a reflection of what your life was like. So take me into Canada. Like I don't know much about Canada. I bet a lot of our listeners don't. But mm-hmm. if we do know something about Canada. It's like, okay, we know something about Toronto. We know maybe Montreal, maybe Vancouver. Where did you grow up? What was it like when you were a kid? I grew up about two and a half hours outside of Toronto um, in a really, really small town called Orno. And I lived on 46 acres. We had a huge property, um, probably like middle class family. My dad drove transport trucks and my mom was a school secretary. Uh, and I used to ride four wheelers and dirt bikes and fight with my brothers. There's a huge age gap between me and the youngest brother. It's eight years. So they were all so much older than me. Um, and it was like a doggy dog world in my house. It's like you had to fend for yourself or else you were going to get the crap kind of kicked out of you. Um, and I was the only girl too. So I feel like the guys really wanted to make me tough and wanted to make me one of them. So, you know, I was like covered in dirt (laughs) from an early age. Um, but it was also a really beautiful place to grow up because there was absolutely nothing around and nothing to do. So I was, all of us, the whole family are really creative because we literally had like two blades of grass to rub together to kind of entertain ourselves. So, um, you know, I would, we had like this huge, uh, woods in our backyard and, or behind our house. And I was like always exploring and, um, you know, really trying to, uh, be a, a tag team for those guys. So yes, it, it absolutely applies to our show. I feel like I've been, you know, um, speaking up for myself and fending for myself from a very young age. And, uh, it, it really mimics my, my life because you, all of you guys are quite a bit older than me too, because Todd's what, 10 years older than, than I am. And he's the youngest one on the show. So, um, it's very interesting that I've found myself in this exact same dynamic uh you know 27 years old all right so you're 27 you grew up on 46 acres i didn't know this at all in yeah orno like what how do you spell the town that you're from in canada it's toronto without the t's orno okay without the t's uh orno so how many people live there and and what did you do so let's say you leave the 46 acres what do you do? Like, what did you guys do for fun? Is there a mall? Like, how, how close is the oh my gosh, nearest movie no. theater? Like, mall? Like, what did you do for fun with the closest other kids? movie like- theater was probably forty five minutes away. Like, we are around nothing. I we didn't have next door neighbors. I would have to like walk fifteen ten minutes up the street to get to the next person that like lived close to us. My friend. Um. And we we really entertained ourselves. I mean, we had, like, a giant pond on our property. So anytime in the summer, we were, like, swimming in that. And my brothers were my best friends. I was, like, always looking up to them, always trying to hang out with them. Um, as I got older and uh, went into high school, that's when I, like, started to be more interested in, like, getting out of the house and, um, you know, leaving my family and hanging out with my friends. And then it was just like, sure, we would take a 45 minute bus ride to the Oshawa center and like walk around the mall. But, um, once I grew up and was in high school, I moved to a little bit of a bigger town. 
that actually had like stores. <laughs> so, um, but that wasn't until like the ninth grade. So I really like I grew up. It, it's insane that I live in Los Angeles now and I'm doing what I'm doing because I grew up in the middle of nowhere. My high school didn't even have a drama program. Nothing that would lead one to think that I would be in front of a camera. Um, and it was just. Uh, it was it was a very like you know my family were my best friends and I was always wanting to wanting to be home but it's it's also because we had an amazing life like we I could go home and, and ride my four wheeler around for hours until it was like dinner time so it was a lot of time spent solo slash mixed with like hanging out with my family. So we're talking to Rachel Bonetta. You can follow her on Twitter. This is Clay Travis wins and losses podcast. How cold was it? So you said you had a, uh, you had like a pond to swim in in the summer. Like how cold was it in your part of Canada? And how much it was snow very, did you get? It, yeah, it was cold. We would um, we had like two really big hills in front of our house, so we would like uh, my dad would take his tractor and he would build jumps for us because we all snowboarded and, and skied. So we would. Uh, it's a miracle I didn't break a bone until a couple of weeks ago when I dislocated my shoulder. <laughs> Trying to play um, golf of all things. Yeah, exactly. I'm a loser. Um, but uh, so yeah, we would have like ski jumps and like rails and stuff set up in our front yard. And then my dad would take a giant like uh, fire hose and put fresh water over our already frozen over uh, pond. So it would be a really smooth surface to play hockey. And we would hold hockey tournaments at our house from like for all of our family to come to. So we would have like days before Christmas that like all of our aunts and uncles and cousins would come. We'd have like huge hockey tournaments. This is the most Canadian thing uh, sounding thing I'm starting to realize. We would have crazy hockey tournaments on our pond um, because it was like a beautiful rink. It was like those are some of the best childhood memories for me. So the Raptors obviously were a part of your childhood. Were you a big uh, hockey fan and how much, what did the Raptors mean to you growing up? Um... I, I never attached myself to a hockey team because my dad hated the Leafs for whatever reason. I think that he like loved to watch them to hate them. So we were raised in like an anti Toronto Maple Leafs household, but we were living in Ontario, so it was kind of hard to you know really find an, another team that I loved. So not some, I played a lot of hockey. I played hockey for like five years. Um, but then basketball, uh, I remember waking up on my ninth birthday. And I had a canopy bed and I woke up probably at like 3 a.m. And somehow my brother and his girlfriend had snuck into my room and put like a I can still remember looking at it, a fresh, crisp, white 15 Raptors jersey, Vince Carter's jersey and hung it up on my canopy with a letter saying like, happy birthday. Hope you enjoy this. And the Raptors were pretty new at that point. Um, especially Vince Carter, he's like taking over the city and I just, Oh my gosh, I did not take that Jersey off for probably a year. It was like, I see photos of it and it's just covered in grass stains. And I was like bringing a basketball to school. I wanted to be in the WNBA and I was obsessed with Vince Carter. I was so in love with him, like watching him any chance I could. Um, and uh, I, I don't know why. I don't know why I loved him so much and I, why I fell in love with basketball. But then I started playing basketball. I was, like, captain of my 7th and 8th grade team. Um, and then as I got older, I kind of fell off a little bit uh, just because we started sucking a lot and Vince Carter left in, um, you know, ugly fashion. But 
Um, so it was so beautiful to come back these last few years when they've like started to heat up again. And then this year with Kawhi, I was like bawling my eyes out when they won because I was just thinking about that nine-year-old girl who is obsessed with sports, um, and, and loved Vince Carter so much. And I was just thinking about like what I've done with my career and my life. It was like a really like a looking inside deep down, uh, moment for me. And I just couldn't stop crying. I was like, this is so stupid. This is a sports game. And I was just, I was really emotional. It just meant it meant a lot to uh, younger me and 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 now me. You got to watch it in person. Yeah, I went to go. I went to. Oak, I'm was so lucky. Um, one of my friends had an extra ticket and, and asked me to go, and I was just like, oh my god, when am I gonna? I, we obviously didn't know that they were gonna win at that point, but I was like. Holy, this is going to be the last game of Oracle, too. So I wanted to go see that. Um, and I was there to witness it in person. There was like a small group of us, because obviously it's an away game, but there was still so many traveling fans. There was probably like 75 to 100 of us. And we just like uh, congregated in one area after they won. And uh, like everyone was emotional. Everyone was wearing like old school jerseys and, uh, you know, Vince Carter, DeMar DeRozan. Like everyone was kind of all over the place. And you could just tell, like, Oh my gosh, we all love this so much that we've that we've traveled. It's like almost like a, the, a batch of the most hardcore Raptors fans that you can find, uh, and we were all there. And, and they celebrated right in front of us and lifted the trophy. And um, it was just a really really cool moment. I'll remember that. Moment. Like, I, I kind of was just like, ah, do I want to go? Like I have to work the next day, and it's all the way up in San Francisco. Like, do I really want to do that? Do I want to spend the money? And I was just like, screw it. When am I ever going to have this chance again? I'm going to remember that. I'm going to tell my kids about this moment. Um, so it was uh, it was something to remember for sure. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You're 27. You haven't even had your 10-year high school reunion yet, which is pretty crazy to think about given oh, what you're doing now for a living. That's no, in, that is insane. Yeah. So if you had been, if, if you had been when you were 16 or 17 years old, asked, mm. what do you want to do for a living? And everybody at 16 and 17 has different answers. Had you hit on the idea of, I want to be involved in media and entertainment in some form or fashion yet? And if not, when did you hit on that idea? Yeah, when I was 16, I was, that's like the 12th grade, right? I was volunteering at my local uh, news station. So I was like mic in hand, ready to go. I always wanted to be an actress, but I was just like, that scares right, so pa- me pa- so Yeah, much. pause here for a sec. I want to go back yeah. to this. So you, your local news is where? Local news was probably at the time 45 minutes away from me, like where I was going. Uh, but it was like local news, Oshawa, like that area. That's what it was so called. So you would, you would show up and do like your vault. Like, what are you doing at the local news and how did you end up going there? So we had a program in our high school that you could take a semester off and kind of do like an internship if you were at a good place with your grades and stuff like that. Um, And so I decided to, uh, oh, they called it a co-op. So I decided to go, you'd have to go into school maybe like uh, three times a month, but I took a semester off. Yeah, it was amazing. And you get like real experience. Like some people would go and work um, like in the trades and stuff like that, but this this one was available. And so I applied for it. Um, and, uh, I got it miraculously. And so I would go in every single day. I I would take my mom's car and I would drive into work as like a real reporter. And I was wearing like slacks and like (laughs) blazers. And I was learning how to be a reporter, everything from like, you know, gathering information and doing the investigative part to the way that you make your voice sound like a reporter and uh, first local Rachel Bonetta on the scene. Like it was ridiculous the things that they were teaching me to do, which just seems so, Oh, so cringy now. But um, I was, just, I just went home actually a couple of weeks ago and I was looking through all of my old tapes because I've kept everything. And it was like, you can see it on my Instagram. I posted one. It was like 16 year old me reporting from like a, a fundraiser and like a, a school safety meeting. And it was all very like, you know, youth reporting kind of things. They weren't making me go and do the hard-hitting journalism, but that experience was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go to school for broadcast journalism now. Like, that co-op just kind of landed in my lap. Part of me probably wanted to not go to school <laughs> and go off and, and try and be, like, a somewhat of a real adult, um, but uh, it ended up kind of working in my favor. So, did these things air on the local news, or you just did every the shot? night. They, nope, you were, every night you were I was on, on TV. You were on local news as a 16-year-old? I was on local news. I remember I would go to work, and I would film whatever I had to film. I probably had, like, four four to five hits a week of different stories. I would go to work, come back, go to my boyfriend's house, and the whole family would gather around and watch the local news until my, my part came on. It was pretty insane. I was, like, 16 years old. So what? What's, I, I, I watched a couple of these on your Instagram page, and one of them was, like, you covered – will blockbuster survive right or like yeah. blockbuster was cloning how did you get these these ideas for stories did they assign them to you did you come up with they, them on your own yeah like i would go out there was like 
like I said, it was pretty like loose. The the broad uh, the blockbuster thing was from college, but all of the other ones were like, uh, okay, there's um. A picnic benefiting the local animal shelter on Tuesday. Um, why don't we send Rachel and a cameraman to that? And that's all they gave me. And I would actually go and interview all the people that I would have to interview and do my research and, and you know, write everything down. And then I would have to do all my stand-up. So it's like being in front of a camera, holding a mic, being like doing like the open and the, and the close for like a one-minute piece. Um, and I learned, I learned so much. So even going into college, I was just like, screw you guys. I was on first low. Like, get in line, baby. I'm number one. <laughs> so, wait. So, you had an adult cameraman who would be assigned to you, and, like, you guys would drive around all over town to do yep. local stories? Yes. Yep. And I and took so, school. I was able to, like, a full full credits. Like, I didn't have to spend any extra time in high school. Like, this was something that our, our, uh, our, just our school promoted. Do they still do? That seems crazy to me that a 16-year-old could be on local news. How many people would watch this local news broadcast? Like, is oh, there, I can't I, imagine. Very, well, we would have people like email in about like, oh, I hated John's pie tonight. You better <laughs> take that off or else I'm not going to watch again. Like it was, there was some, uh, there was some, I was like never recognized or anything like that. Like it was not that many people tuning in, but for, it was like, um, it was That's a, a huge deal for a 16-year-old. Uh, oh, absolutely. The culmination of a bunch of different small towns and small cities, um, because it, it, the first local was kind of like overseeing a, a, a big area, and it was the local news. So it was like Channel 6. A lot of people watch. So your mom had to be really impressed by that, right? Um, yeah, I think that my family, I'm sure we'll get into this. My family was going through some stuff when that was happening. My dad was really sick. So as much as they were like proud of what I was doing, I, I wasn't really the center of attention at, at the time. I think that looking back now, even, even myself, I'm like, holy crap, why was I doing that at 16? As I'm telling this story again, I haven't talked about it in a really long time. It sounds insane. Um, but, uh, yeah, she, she was, she was super, super proud for sure. So you mentioned what your family was going through uh, around mm-hmm. the time that you're doing that. So what were you dealing with in your family at the time? Well, when I was about, um, I want to say like eight or nine, my dad started to just be really weird. Um, and, and I was so young at, at that point. I had no idea what was going on. Um, but he just started acting not himself and uh, he's like, you know, he's a really burly, like typical Canadian lumberjack as you would see it. Like he was a hunter and he drove transport trucks and he took care of our family and all of a sudden he was like not feeling well and, um, you know, having trouble walking and all this stuff and, and I had no idea what was happening and I remember being called into my school into my principal's office and and her saying, you know, we just want to let you know if you're ever feeling that you're going through a tough time, like you can always come and talk to us. And I was just so confused. I was just like, okay, like whatever. I'm going to go back to class now. Like, it's just weird. Um, And then my, my dad's like physical appearance started to diminish more and more. And then it was that he ended up in the hospital. And, and again, like I was so young. So my mom was probably shielding me from a lot of stuff. But it ended up that he had this really rare blood disease called amyloidosis, 
And it took them years to even identify what it was because it is so rare. It's like one in a billion people get this random disease. And my mom was actually one of the ones that helped diagnose it because she is like such a mom through and through. And she was like going through notes and notes and notes and looking at the symptoms and, and all of this stuff. And she was the one that was just like, well, what about this? And then they tested him for it and it ended up being that. But um, still, like not a lot of information is out about this disease and Basically, what happened over those years is he started losing a ton of weight. Like, when I was in the 10th grade, my dad weighed less than I was. And I'm not, I'm like 120 pounds now. So it was really, it was really hard. And um, he was unable to walk. It affected his nervous system. Uh, so his, the nerves in his legs weren't, um, you know, acting right. So he had to use a walker and a wheelchair. And he was in and out of the hospital. And they, they, it's not a treatable disease. It's a terminal illness. So they were testing him like a guinea pig. They gave him chemotherapy. He lost all of his hair. They gave him stem cell transplants, which is like the huge-ass needle that they put in your back. And it was all very painful. And it was all just for him to feel better for a couple of years. And then he would end up going back. And then he would try something new. And then he would end up going back. And so it was really, really hard um, to deal with. As, and, and it was so long. I mean, it lasted for eight years. So it was a really... It took up a really big part of my life, and I had to grow up really, really quickly. And my brothers weren't around because they are so much older. By the time I was in high school, they were in college. They were living in different provinces. They were all over the place. So it was really just like me and my mom and my dad, and I was like, felt like I was like walking home to a very hellish state every single day. And I just wanted to, I wanted to run away, and I, I didn't want to be in that situation and it was impossible to connect with my dad because I, I was scared even looking at him what he looked like and it was really hard it was really hard for uh, a really long time so that's kind of what we were dealing with and that was tough for my mom also to like I said she's such a caregiver and her husband the love of her life they had such an amazing I'm so thankful that my parents had an incredible relationship they were married for like 31 years um and, you know, that was, like, her first priority. So, you know, you also have this, like, blossoming young daughter who's trying to pursue all of these things. But, you know, your first priority is going to be making sure that your husband can, like, get up and walk down the stairs because he couldn't do that by himself. So it was a lot. It was a, it was a tough few years there. So from, like, 8 to 16, this is when this is going on? Yeah, he passed away. He passed away when I was 17. Um, I graduated high school in uh, June or whatever, and he passed away that February, right before. Right before you graduated. So, I mean, a part of this is you probably, I don't know if you even like sit around and try to psychoanalyze yourself a lot, but if you're 16 and you're so driven to grow up that you're doing these reporting assignments, I mean... Is that partly like you were just ready to be off on your own because in Mm -hmm. some way you had to kind of raise yourself, right? Because your mom has to focus so much on your dad. Yeah, no, absolutely. I talk about this in therapy every week. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's it's exactly that. And it's... um there's like a, a fear as well, like going home. I, when it was just my dad and I, like I, sometimes I'd be sitting in the living room and I would hear like a crash. And it was because like my full grown father has fallen to the ground. And as a, like a 14, 15 year old, I have to now pick up his like dead weight body and bring him into the living room so he can sit. Like that's not only embarrassing for him and hard for him to deal with. It's like, Oh my God, I can't process this. Like, what is this? And so I was constantly, I, I never ran away per se, but I was always running away. I was always trying to get out of that house. 
I moved away as much as I wanted to support my mom and stay home for even like a semester. I went away to college as fast as I can. And and I was like always out of the house, always at my boyfriend's house, who was like a disaster. Um, And it was, uh, yeah, it was really, it was a really dark place. Home homes uh, was a really dark place for me. The first eight years, not right. Like when everything before he got sick and then it's like just all of a sudden a chapter changes and your life is, is completely altered. Yeah, I mean, the first eight years, I think that that's why I am, you know, I feel like there's this big, like, goofy side to me, and I feel like that comes from early on, like, the first eight years when I had, like, free range on creativity, and I had a great relationship with my parents, and and my parents had a great relationship, and my brothers and I were always, like, goofing and laughing, and they introduced me to comedy, and and then I, I feel like around, like, nine that's when that joyful side just like halted and stopped. And I feel like a big part of my life now is like trying to get that back and and trying to really live in this like fun space because I love that, that like we always talk about in therapy, not to get too deep into this, like, but that um, my young, my kid, like kid, Rachel, um, you know, she needs to be taken care of because around like eight or nine, she stopped having people look, looking out for her. She was looking out for herself because everyone else was focused on my father. And so, um, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with for a really young kid to, I didn't even under, like I said, my mom couldn't even explain to me what was happening at this point in my life, because it's like, how do I even tell, like, how old are your kids, Clay? Like, imagine telling them. No, I mean, I, that's what I'm thinking about now. Like I've that. got an 11 and 8 and a 4-year-old. And yeah, so they've had explain to them yeah, that a totally that, idyllic existence right now. And yeah. if, if something like that happened, it would be like they would be, you know, almost full pedaling into a wall, right? Like everything yeah. is perfect. And then it's like mm-hmm. a line of demarcation and everything changes in their life. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there listening right now who maybe not have had as serious of an incident as you have, but they can go to a point in their life and be like, this changed everything, right? And, yeah. and, and whatever else comes afterward, I can't get over what might have happened at this age. Uh, yeah. By the way, you're listening to Wins and Losses. I'm Clay Travis. We're talking with Rachel Bonetta. And so you, you, you're doing this thing at 16 years old. You're doing local news. And, and it's interesting because you have a – and I'm sure people here as they, this goes on, if they watch the show, certainly you know this. You have a really great sense of humor – but a part of that, a lot of times comedians have great senses of humor because it's a coping mechanism, right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's otherwise you just kind of wallow in uh, in the things that are bad in your life, and that's a way to escape the darkness, right? Um, yeah. And, and I think the humor that you have, whether it's on Instagram or on uh, social media or certainly on uh, our show, comes through a lot, but... It it's almost like a, a self defense mechanism in some ways. Not to mean that you're not funny, but it's it's interesting where that comes from. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, my dad was a very quick, like on his feet, and I think that a lot of times he was always trying to lighten the mood um, because he was sick. And all of us, like, he probably felt from his daughter, like, oh, she's afraid of me now because she's afraid of losing me, so she's going to push me as far as she can away because she doesn't want to get hurt. And so his way of cracking the ice with me was being funny and like watching funny things. And same with my brothers. Like I was introduced to like SNL and SCTV and mad TV and in living color, all of those things when I was really young, because it was so depressing in our household that what we watched at night had to be something that made us laugh. 
And so I'm, I'm thankful that I grew up in a, in a family that had a sense of humor and was able to laugh about some stuff. Like my dad would make jokes when he was bald and like had peach fuzz and, um, you know, he, he was ridiculous and super goofy and, and I will hold those memories super close to my heart. But, um, that was definitely a way that all of it wasn't just me. All of us were trying to cope with this through our sense of humor because that was literally the only way that we could keep breathing. So 16-year-old Rachel is a local news star. Um, you're, you're dealing with your dad. You said, I don't even know, your, your boyfriend might listen to this. And he probably doesn't want to hear it because you probably <laughs> that you never had a boyfriend before. But you said you had an awful high school boyfriend? Oh, yeah. He was a jerk. He was a jerk. I dated him for like five years, too. Five oh years is a goodness. long time in high school. So what initially attracted you to him? Oh, I don't know. He had like a shaved head. He was a skateboarder. That's why. I was really into skateboarders at the time, but I started dating him like the end of my, our uh, junior high was right next to our high school. And still there was probably only a total of like 500 people um, combined with all of those grades. So it was partly because there was nobody else, (laughs) but uh, I met him at like the end of the eighth grade and I broke up with him as soon as I went to college. I was like later. So what does he do now? I have no idea, and I do not want to know. <laughs> so, legitimately, you have no idea? Like, he hasn't tracked I have no idea, no. No, I, I think that once once I got to college, I was just like, oh, my God, that guy's a jerk. Like, for instance, I'll give you a little glimpse in our relationship. Um, my 12th grade, um, you know, it was really just like a waiting game when my dad, he was not doing well. This was probably in, like, November. Uh, the doctors told us that my dad had till Christmas to live, basically. What a date, right? Oh, yeah, um, celebrate Christmas. Well, your dad's going to die, like, the next day. Um, and so I found out in November, my, my boyfriend broke up with me, and uh, I was devastated because literally going through the worst time of my life. Uh, now I've lost the only person that I can really, you know, he's, like, my number one shoulder to cry on. He broke up with me the next day. He slept with my best friend. And all of this stuff is going on. And so I was just like, uh, you know, I, I stupidly, why am I telling you this stuff in the first place? Stupidly got back together with him after my dad passed away. And then it literally, as soon as I left for college, I was just like, get this guy into my life. I'm so much better off. Um, so yeah, like high school, Rachel was all over the place. She was a mess. She did not know how to function. The only thing that she was like worried about was school and her career, which is like kind of still the same. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was going through it. I, I think about that, Rachel, now, and I, it can make me cry sometimes because I was really being put through the ringer. What do, you wish, what do you wish you, would, you could go back in time and tell yourself when you were in high school? <sighs> I don't know that everything's going to be okay, I guess, but I always had the sense that it was going to be all right. Like, I, I do think I deal with trauma pretty fairly well, whether it's like, you know, uh, somebody passing away or like me losing my passport in a foreign country. Like I'm very, I'm a very good like problem solver. Um, but I think that there's always been this fear of, I, I will say this ever since my dad passed away. And even before that, there's, I've, I've had an irrational fear of people leaving me and, and death and, and losing people, whether I can deal with it or not, just the fear of it happening absolutely terrifies me. So just like letting myself know when it comes to that, like I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to get through this. And at least I'm going to live till 27. We know that. I don't even know that it's an irrational fear based on what you've been through. Uh, I know, I know. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. 
This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmental Environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep. Tonight, visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L E E S A dot com slash iHeart. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Talking to Rachel Bonetta, Wins and Losses podcast. I'm Clay Travis. You can follow Rachel at Rachel Bonetta on Twitter. You can watch her every single day on uh, FS1. Lock it in alongside of me, Cousin Sal, and Todd Furman. All right, so you go off to college. You probably, uh, given everything that you were going through in high school, are desperate to go away to college. Where do you go? How yeah. do you pick it? And what is your focus when you go away to college? So I move into the city. I move into the city. I've got... Uh, Toronto, brothers, mean, meaning, two, the, meaning yes. the city of Toronto. Yeah, yes. the big city. Um, I think two of my brothers were living there at the time. So at least I had some kind of you know safety uh, with having them somewhat close. But I decided that I wasn't going to audition uh, to go to school for theater because I was too scared. I, I, I think that um, you know everything that had happened, I was just like, I just want to go to school for something I know that I can get into, for something that I know I'm already good at, and for something that I know that I'm slightly interested in. And at least, um, you know, part of the school process is that I can take improv classes, which was so exciting for me. And I still take those to this day. Um, so I apply for broadcast journalism. Uh, I think I was a shoe in because, as you said, I'm a 16-year-old television star at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I move into the city. I move out of my house. Uh, my mom sold our house and uh, moved into like a really small house in like a small town far away, further away from me. Um, and uh, I failed, and I failed hard. I was doing this talk about mental health a couple of years ago for the Big East, and there were it was like all coaches that were in the room, and I was a volleyball player. I was a varsity volleyball player, and I brought in my transcripts from my first semester of my first year. And it was all like F, 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 D, F, C, F, 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 like failed at, like literally everything I could have failed. I failed pretty much. Um, 
and it was uh, I was telling these people because I was just like I was depressed and anxious and going through the dealing with the loss of my father. And in those times, the coach, I'm seeing my coach more than I'm seeing my teachers. Um, and so I was kind of saying that, like, this is, this was my story. And I was telling them, and oh my God, I just bombed so bad because like my, I was just going through a world of pain and I forgot everything that I learned, um, you know, at, uh, first local. And it was, a it was tough. It was really tough. I thought about quitting. I was just like, I'm not, I need to take some time off. Like clearly my brain is not right. I'm not in a right space to be learning and to be caring about anything other than thinking about my dad dying. Like it was rough. So you went to class and you were making like, I mean, what, how, how did you fail everything? Right. Cause I mean, I was going people... to class. I was listening to the lecture. I was being given the homework and I was saying F you. <laughs> and I was and then I would go to pra- volleyball practice and I would go home, sleep, wake up the next day, do it all over again. I was not handing in any assignments. I was having trouble going to class sometimes cause I couldn't get out of bed. This was like my first real bout with depression. Like I had never really felt not only was I moving, moving away um, from home and like what I know and what I love. And I broke up with my boyfriend, which is like, you know, any teenager is going to have a problem with that. And is going to like face some kind of repercussion in their feelings and in their emotions. But also I just had like a catastrophic event happen in my life. Um, and I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't deal with it. So I would not get out of bed. I would not do my assignments and it showed. <laughs> so for a full year or a full semester, just a full semester after I got those ba- the grades back, um, my volleyball coach threatened to kick me off the team. Um, my mom was very disappointed in me and I just snapped. I had this moment of being like you, I, I had this really beautiful moment with my dad right because, right before he passed away. I'm going to try and get through this. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we knew about a week before he passed away, they pulled me out of school and they brought my brothers home and we're like, spend as much time as, with your dad as you can, because he's going to be, he's not going to make it past this week. He's stopped eating. And so all of us took turns going up into his bedroom. He had like a hospital bed pulled into our house. And, um, when he was awake and around and, you know, with it, we would go up and we would have conversations with him. And I got to tell him right before he passed away, like a couple of days before, that I was like, I'm going to go and kick ass. And I'm going to, I think that was also the first time that I swore in front of my dad. I remember being like, oh my God, I hope he's not going to be mad at me. But I'm going to go kick ass and I'm going to go make you so proud and I'm going to take care of mom and I'm just going to go and and just kill it at school and I'm going to be a star and and you don't have to worry about anything. I'm going to take care of everybody. And one of the last things that he said to me ever was, see you in the movies, kid. It makes me want to vomit. Um, You're going to make me cry. I know, right? Sorry. But uh, I had this moment after that first semester that I was like, I have not lived up to everything that I told my dad and he would be so disappointed in me. And I think even my, maybe somebody had said that, like, you know, do this for your dad. And I was just like, all right, screw this. Buckled down started like caring so much really put like literally grades changed from like F's to A's because I was I'm a smart person and I'm creative and that's exactly what all these things were calling for it's like make a video go and do a documentary be an improv class like you know go and cover blockbuster shutting down whatever it is (coughs) excuse me um, and, uh, I just snapped and I was just like, I, this is my chance to prove myself and I don't want to fail and I'm not going back to Orno. Good Lord. I'm not going back to Orno. And, uh, I just snapped and I have not since that moment, since 
that semester, I have never looked back and have just gone gung-ho with my career. And I think that's a huge part of the reason why I'm 27 and I'm hosting a show in Los Angeles, of all places, 3,500 miles away from where I grew up. And I'm, I'm still like not backing down, still going full tilt. All right. I want to go back to that pivot point because there are a lot of people who face challenges. And obviously, for your age, the challenges that you faced were substantial. And is you said that like you suddenly had this realization in your mind, but you go mm-hmm. home for Christmas, I'm assuming. I, I don't know exactly how the Canadian school schedule is, but yeah. you, you have to show your mom the F's and the D's that you have made. And exactly. is it where exactly do you make that decision that things change for you? It's a pivot point. Like you said, you could have mm-hmm. ended up back in Orno uh, and uh, and people like you're surrounded probably by a lot of the people that you went to high school with and you're living a life where it's it's kind of a quiet scream of anonymity, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're feeling like you didn't do what you wanted to do. And look, I mean, you're still young. I mean, even if you'd made that decision for a few years, you could have still had a pivot point. But for you, it happened at 18 or 19 years old, what do you mm-hmm. attribute that to, to the mental toughness and the ability to make that pivot? Because I feel like there's a lot of people listening right now. The podcast is called Wins and Losses who get to that point. And it may not have as many significant factors that, that bring it to bear as yours did, but they're at a quarter life crisis or their midlife crisis or whatever it is. And maybe they're younger and they might not go in the direction that you did to pour positivity into the situation. What do you attribute to how you were able to do it? Um, I think it would be easy for somebody. Let, let's say my dad didn't pass away and I went to school and I failed. I think it'd be easy for me to be like, um, screw this. Like I'm not, I'm just not cut out for it. But I think that when you have a parent pass away or something traumatic happening, you automatically become a tougher person because you've been knocked down and you've in the process, you've just like grown this like outer shield or whatever you want to call it. Um, and nothing can hurt you as bad as that first thing that happened to you that was traumatic. And I don't know what it is. I always just call it snapping. I just snapped. And I went home and I saw how disappointed my mom was. And um, I know how much she gave to my dad and to this family by, you know, like she took so much time off from work. She was, oh my God, probably in the deepest of depressions. She actually just sent me a text with kissing emojis. Isn't that weird? She literally just <laughs> sent me that. That's so strange. Um, but, uh, you know, she was just... The, the toughest of tough. And I went home and I saw how disappointed she was. And I think that she just was disappointed in the situation. No one did anything wrong. My parents didn't treat me like shit. Like it was just a shitty situation. And I think that part of her was like, I'm so sorry that this has happened to you. Like she was upset and disappointed, but I think also part of her was like, I'm just so sorry that this is the life. That these are the cards that you've been dealt and this is clearly affecting you. And, and maybe I was hoping that it, it wouldn't affect you as much as it, as it is. And I just remember seeing that face and how upset she was. And I was just like, I cannot do this. My mom has been through too much already. I need to be the tough person that I am, that my dad has made me and my mom has made me. And I need to, I need to snap. I need to take care of my mom like I promised. I need to take care of my family like I promised. And this is not taking care. This is adding more stress and more pain. And I've already felt the worst of it. I can be better and be stronger. And then I just went back after Christmas break or whatever it was, Thanksgiving. 
And I just, I, I woke up one day and was just like re-energized. And I thought about my mom all the time. And I thought about how sad she was. And I was just like, I am not contributing to that. There's no chance that I am going to be part of the reason that my mom is worse off than losing her husband. Like, I'm not going to add to that. And so she was a really big part of, of me going back and, and just going like full tilt crazy. And you are incredibly smart and incredibly talented. <laughs> Uh, not that you deserve compliments from me, but in that, uh, and, and I don't want you to get used to them, but in that, in that scenario, it's also interesting to me because people sometimes have talents and they aren't willing to acknowledge them themselves that they have them. And so mm-hmm. they can fall back on, oh, this is just not for me. I'll go back to something that's safe. So you pour yourself into it. You already knew that you were driven in some sense at 16 when you're doing these local television reports. Uh, and what are you doing and, and how quickly does it, the pivot happens? You start getting A's. Are you doing more television? Are you doing more – like what, what exactly are you doing while you're in school? Um, I started looking for internships and I started being like, I am really good in the field. So I need to start looking at like the local news stations or, um, you know, I was just expanding my, my mind. I was like, how can I get better at this? How can I, do I want to start branching out and do acting stuff? Like I was just, instead of like feeling sorry for myself all the time and, and thinking about other things that didn't matter or didn't pertain to school, it was the complete opposite. I was like, how do I be the best of the best at this? Um, and I just poured all of that you know, sad energy that I did have into going full throttle. So I did an internship with our local news station that was in Toronto, which was like a much bigger deal. I remember one of my first days was like Osama bin Laden being shot or and, and, and assassinated or whatever happened. Um, and that was like the first taste of like live news. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this isn't the picnics that I was covering in, yeah. on first local. I was like, holy moly, buckle up. Uh, and then for a really long time, I thought I wanted to do news. And so I was like constantly trying to get in uh, with those spaces, never once did I want to do sports. I remember even at school, we would have to do uh, like sporting reports. And I was like, I hate this. <laughs> I'm not interested at all. I play the sports. I play volleyball. I'm the athlete. I don't want to be talking about other athletes. Uh, I just like wasn't interested whatsoever. So it's hilarious what I've ended up doing with my life. But um, so yeah, I just like I, I just poured myself in, and I went. I, I would stay up late. I would be at school until you know they kicked me out, editing pieces and and really branching out and just caring so much more. Really, that was it. Were you good at volleyball, by the way? I was excellent at volleyball. I didn't have crazy hops. Like, I couldn't jump very high. <laughs> so they would oftentimes put me in the backup as like a designated uh, passer. Um, but I was pretty good. Our team wasn't great, but I played for 13 years. Like, that was one thing that I kind of like, after I played hockey, uh, my mom was a volleyball player. So she's like, why don't you try this? And so I played rep, like travel volleyball for 13 years. Like, it was insane. I didn't even know there was travel volleyball. Is that a Canadian thing? I, I think it might. Well, no, there's a big American. Do they have travel too, like, volleyball in America? I don't. I've never even heard of anybody doing that. I'm sure they do. Um, but there was a, like a lot of girls in my high school were really into volleyball, and and I played when I was a junior. I played on the senior team. That's how good I was. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was pretty competitive. It was fun. We were playing in tournaments like every weekend. All right, so you, you at that point then have decided you've come through uh, the the challenge of of finding motivation and everything else, and you kind of know what you want to do. Do you feel like school is unnecessary at that point? Because you're like, hey, I know what I want to do for my career. And mm-hmm. you know, I think about this, for instance, at Fox, two of our bosses, I think uh, Eric Shanks and Brad Zager, neither one of them finished 
college because they're like, I want to do, you know, sports production. I want to, and now yeah. obviously very successful at Fox. Did you feel like you were just wasting your time at that point in college? Were you ready? A little. I mean, university and college is different in Canada. So if you're going to university, you're going for four years, which is college in the United States, right? But if you're going to college in Canada, it's usually two years. And it's usually some kind of trade or it's more hands-on. So if I were to go to university for broadcast journalism in Canada, the first two years would be writing essays and theories about whatever. And then the final two years would be in studio, getting your hands dirty, going out into the field. And I was just like, I don't want to waste my time with the first two years. Like I've already been out in the field. So I want to go to college. I want to be done in two years and I want to be working in that third year. So, um, so yeah, so by the second year, um, I, I never finished. I was missing one still to this day. I'm missing one credit to graduate. I, do not need it now. Um, but I was going to go back uh, for a final semester, and then, um, or I was going to go back. I was going to go back to school for theater. I decided that I did not want to do broadcast. I didn't want to do broadcasting anymore for whatever reason. I really enjoyed those improv classes, and I was just like, I've always wanted to be an actor. Like, why am I still reading the news? This isn't exactly what I want to do. I'm still thinking about acting all the time, um, and so I, I had one credit left. And I was just like, I'm not, I'm not going to finish this because I'm going to go back to school for something else. And then in that interim period of deciding I wanted to leave broadcast journalism behind and uh, applying for universities for theater programs, I, I got my first big job <laughs> like by accident. So it, then that kind of just led me astray. So what was the job? So it was uh, Toronto FC, which is Major League Soccer. It was uh, the Dream Job Contest. So it wasn't even a job application. It was a contest that I saw on Facebook. And it was like, whoever wins this contest gets to be on the Jumbotron at halftime and interview players and do all this like fun stuff. And I was like, oh, this could be like a perfect side thing while I'm going to school. I still get to be in front of a camera. I still get to, you know, like play in that space. So like, why not? I'm probably not going to win. I don't know much about soccer. So let me just like apply. So I applied and just from my... So you apply by how? Like doing a video? Like what's what's the application process? The first application process was literally just an application. It was like, who are you? Why do you want this job? Um, And I cracked top 15 just by my application. And my application was a little inappropriate. I made some. I made some choice. I <laughs> the first. I don't know how I got hired off this, but the first line you had to kind of like write a like a mini essay on why you should be hired. The first line of my essay was besides my love for balls. Dot dot dot. <laughs> this is why you should hire me. That got me to crack the top fifteen somehow. I have not. Some that must have line must have caught somebody's eye. Um, so, so you're handwriting this, or do you like you're typing this? It was in an into online it? submission. It was an online submission. So and how you much to, time like, did you in... spend on the online submission? Oh, I remember like just like saying, "Screw it, I'm not going to win this." So I remember maybe like 20 minutes, just like a quick type up, like, "Who are you? How old are you? Send us a picture and why you want this job." So. <clears throat> So uh, I cracked top 15, and then top 15 had to send in a video. And I was just like, oh, man, now I got this in the bag. (laughs) So I made uh, like a two-minute sketch, a comedy sketch on why I should be hired. And I got this guy to put on a a brown wig and do keepy-uppies, like keep-ups with a a soccer ball. 
and wear a toque, and we shot it as if it looked like I was doing it. <laughs> so they're like, oh, this girl's funny. And then I cracked the, cracked the top five. That video is still available to watch on YouTube, by the way. I cracked the top five, and I was just like, how, okay. How do you mean you cracked the top five? Like, people vote? Like, how, how are you? How do you know where you're ranking? I think it was a combination of people voting and also uh, their choice, like Toronto okay. FC's choice. So I think that they saw that I was funny and that I could do some different things. And they're like, all right, this girl's entertaining. Like, let's, let's bring her in for an interview. Um, so then I was top five. And I went in for an interview, and they asked you, me you, you know questions. nothing about soccer, like Toronto I FC, had MLS. The captain's, I had the captain's name, Torsten Frings, written in ink on my hand for the interview. So you could look down like, and like cheat if you needed so to. So I could look like, down and say, if they asked me any questions, I could be like, at least I know who the captain is. <laughs> I can I can work Torsten Frings into my bullshitting. Um, and uh, and I just like I won them over in the meeting. I was myself and. Uh, I remember I was working at the time at a bar that was a Toronto FC bar. Um, and so you were working I had as, a, bar- work as a bartender? As a, as a server. Okay. And so uh, the, the final process of this contest that is they were going to invite all of us to center field at halftime and announce the winner. There was five of us left. But I had to work the shift before the game. So I was in the, in the restaurant serving all of these Toronto FC fans, and then my bosses let me go to the game to see if I won the contest and my mom was with me and it was raining and I remember before we even went in I was like mom I don't want to do this like I'm not going to win I'm going to be embarrassed in front of like the 20,000 people that are sitting in the stands right now and she's like just go like it's fine what if you do win da 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 and uh, I remember at halftime, it was raining. They pulled us all out in the middle field, and they called my name. And I was just like, oh, my God. I won. And I sprinted. I shook some hands like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And I sprinted to my mom because I knew where she was sitting. And we just, like, held each other and cried because this was the first win. This was my first win. Didn't finish school. Dad passes away. Atrocious first semester. Holy crap! I just want to. I just beat out five hundred people for this job that I probably did not deserve. <laughs> so her and I were just sobbing in each other's arms, like, "Oh my god! Like I'm going to be able to take care of myself. You're not going to have to pay my rent anymore." All of these things. It was just like a really beautiful moment. Uh, and then I was like, "Okay, I guess I'm gonna." blow off school for a little bit longer and be this host because they hired me for some reason they hired me monday to friday nine to five but i was an in arena host like they wanted me to do so much more than the initial job entailed so i was just like okay they paid me forty thousand dollars i was like that's an insane amount of money yeah you thought <laughs> and, i mean at forty thousand dollars you're what 20 years old i'm 20 years old at the time yeah and, uh and, so that's i literally hit the jackpot <laughs> You think you're rich with $40,000 at 20 totally. compared to the other 20-year-olds. And so what does that job entail? It, it entailed nothing. It entailed absolutely nothing. I had to go and show up on the weekends and be the in-arena host. But because I was sitting at a desk every single day and going berserk with boredom, YouTube was hot and fresh. I started making YouTube videos. And I started making sketches within the office and doing like weekly videos that I would put out that the fans could watch. And um, those, like, kind of blew up in, in, like, small YouTube terms. And uh, Major League Soccer, the head office in New York City, started seeing these videos and being like, we really like what you're doing. Or would you ever be interested in moving to New York City? And I had been to New York City one time in my life before that. And I had um, 
oh, I can't remember the name of it. I think a Carnegie Deli. Does that sound right? I had a deli napkin from New York City posted on my cubicle because I, I just loved New York City so much. Um, and I even had written a contract to myself. I still have it. When I was about 10 years old, I, Rachel Bonetta, will live in New York City by the time I'm 23. Uh, and like signed with a pen and, and everything. Uh, and so I, I spent a couple of years with Toronto FC, got this email, uh, maybe like a year and a half in. And uh, they were like, we would like, we would like to bring you out to New York City if you're willing to move here. And so that's how I got to, to, from Toronto to, to New York. What do you think would have happened if you hadn't seen that Facebook ad? I have no idea. I would probably be a waitress in Toronto trying to make it as an actress, and that sounds super depressing to me. There's so many points in my career, as I'm sure we'll keep on talking, that I could have gone left, but I went right, and I have no idea what would have happened if I went left. Like, it's insane. So you go to, you take the MLS job, and and I'm curious, I want to go back again, because you said you're just bored at the office nine to five. Like, you uh, are on, you know, doing the games for Toronto FC. But that's where you come up with the idea of, hey, I'm going to do these videos. Do you ask anybody for permission? How do you go about taking the initiative there? Well, I knew how to operate a camera. I knew how to set up a tripod, and I knew how to pl- plug in a mic. So I was just like, do you guys mind if I do? I'm just like, I got an idea. I'm just going to go like shoot some stuff around. I'm not doing anything anyways. And they're like, yeah, go go give it a shot. And I also knew how to edit. So I was going around, and, and first I did these things called six and 60. So six things to know about the game in 60 seconds. So I would go around the stadium, six different spots, and I'd be like, game time is 6 p.m., and then, like, joke, 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 and, and character, character, character. And then number two would be like, you guys are going to want to take the TTC, which is our trans- transportation, um, like, buses and trains and stuff like that in Toronto, uh, and give them, like, traffic reports. And it was all, it was, like, 60 seconds of just, like, fun. Uh, and I shot them myself. I wrote them myself. I VO'd them. I edited them, and I put them all out myself. I just showed them, like, one or two, and they're like, yeah, these are cool. Let's just put them on the on my YouTube on our YouTube channel, which was like not of consequence at the time because it was brand new and and you know, uh, and so they put it up. But then people started to like them, so I started making more and more in depth and more creative and more weird and uh, like someone got really weird. Uh, but that's what MLS noticed and that's what they liked. So that's what essentially up? led me here. Oh yeah, for sure. Probably if you oh gosh, if you searched Rachel Benetta six and sixty T- TFC, I'm sure you'd find some real gems. So you get so this is pretty wild. I mean, it's a pretty fast uh, trajectory, right? You you yeah. get hired by Toronto FC. You you start to establish yourself. You're fortunate in that the MLS is still like kind of a new league, and obviously you're experimenting in a new arena with YouTube. Mm and uh, kind of the social ability to advertise in that way. And you get to MLS, and what do you do in New York? What's your job there? So uh, in New York, it's kind of like free range. They're like, we want you to be our digital host. So anything we need you for, we want you to do. We want to develop shows for you. So I got this show called Off Topic with Rachel Bonetta, which is where I would like travel and meet up with an athlete, and we would go out something, uh, go out and do something that had nothing to do with what they did on the field. We would like go bowling or go, you know, sneaker shopping or, or whatever. And I was just, it was all personality driven. It was like literally just me hanging out with these dudes. And again, those became so popular that we had athletes coming to us and being like we would like to do this which was insane because it was still i only spent a year with mls it all happened so so quickly um so just like really fun personality driven stuff and i would also still do like comedy sketches that i would write and we would put out um and uh yeah it was like all free range they're like we want you to keep on doing what you like to do and what you like to do is being yourself so it was pretty it was a pretty fun job Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmental Environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. All right, so part of social media and the YouTube universe and just people being able to reach out to you comes with some negativity. Were you getting almost all positive stuff because soccer fans tend to be a happy-go-lucky group? Or were you getting – because one of the challenges I think people have in general is putting themselves out there, having the self-confidence or the tough skin. And obviously, just from the lifestyle that you have led, maybe your skin was tougher than most. But I feel Mm -hmm. like that's a big challenge, especially for people who are in their young 20s, because you may not, you, you know, you don't have bubble wrap. People are mean on the internet. Did you read yeah. any of that, or you just didn't read the comments, or you haven't, didn't really have it as an issue? Um, I mean, I, I feel like, knock on wood, I've been really, really lucky, even up until this point in my career, that people tend to be pretty nice to me on social media. Um, but um, I think that when I was at MLS, it is such a niche sport. There is not a ton of, it's growing for sure, but there's still not a ton of people that watch uh, MLS. So I was putting out these new videos, which were very new. They'd never seen anything really like this. Female host, digital host. She knows a bit about soccer. Okay, this is cool. That has probably been the time in my career that I have been like recognized in airports more, in malls. People would come up to me at restaurants because it's so niche. People want to soak up like every single ounce of content that we have. Um, and, and soccer fans are hardcore. Like they're really into their teams. Um, so it was really cool. Like I, that was the first time that I actually felt like, oh my gosh, this is like a nice feeling. People like what I'm doing. People are watching what I'm doing. They're starting to follow me on social media. People are coming up to me in the stands at soccer games and being like, oh my God, I'm such a big fan of Off Topic or I'm such a big fan of Get Me In There, the other show that I was doing. So it was a really exciting time. I remember the first time I hit like 10,000 
followers on Twitter, I was just like, oh, oh my God, I'm famous. And then people, whenever I would go home, people started calling me Hollywood. And I wasn't even living in L.A., but just the, even those so minuscule numbers compared to, you know, people on social media today. Um but uh, it was a really exciting time for me. I was just like, oh, my gosh, people like what I'm doing. This is really cool. So it was also a huge boost in confidence as well. So what happens then? So I was about six months into that job. And again, um, people started seeing what I was doing. And all of a sudden, I had ESPN and Fox Sports knocking on my door. And I have never told this story publicly. I told this story to you last week, and it took me a while to agree to tell this story. But I guess I guess I'll put it out there now. Um, so uh, ESPN gave me a really great offer, and I was still up to my ears in debt. And um, I just started dating somebody new in New York City, who's still my current boyfriend now. And uh, as much as the offer with Fox Sports sounded like awesome, like, oh, my God, I want to move to L.A. Oh, my God, I want to work for the same company as Jay and Dan, who are like kings, 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 kings from where I come from. Um, uh, like every, every sign pointed to Fox Sports, but I was like, I don't want to move New York. I haven't even been living here a year yet. And more money. And so I chose ESPN. Plot twist. I said no to Fox Sports at first, and I, I went down the route of, of ESPN, and um, everything was signed, sealed, delivered. They gave me my offer. I was like, yes, please. Bank account is going to be looking good. They uh, they got me my visa approved. Like Everything was signed, sealed, delivered. And I was about to go to Africa because I just started volunteering with a nonprofit. I was like weeks away from going to Africa. Um, and I was going to go to Africa like beginning of December and then January 01, I was supposed to start with uh, ESPN. So said goodbye and this to everybody been, this at MLS. Been what year? Um, this was about like three and a half, four, three and a half years ago. So 2016, yeah, 2016 ish. You tell your mom, Hey, I'm going to go work at ESPN. You tell, I said, Oh my God, mom, I am going to be making beep, beep, beep at ESPN. And she's just like, Holy shit. (laughs) It was, it was amazing. Like it was such an exciting time. Not that money is everything, but it was just like, again, like, Oh my God, you're going to be able to be on your own now. And I don't have to worry about you so much. You're going to be able to pay off all your debt. You're going to be living in New York city. You got a, you got a nice boyfriend that I really like like from her point of view she was just like thank jesus hallelujah um and so accepted everything everything signed sealed delivered i remember i kept my pen that my agent gave me to sign the contract i think i still probably have it somewhere that's Um, how big of a deal it was to you that is how well it's like espn you know like that's it's like a crazy i came from orno and all of a sudden now i have fox sports and espn knocking on my door two of the biggest sports places in the entire world holy crap how did i end up here um, and, uh, and so I signed everything, everything signed, sealed, delivered, sent off about a couple of days before I leave for Africa. Um, my, what would have been my boss and I were chatting. We were like excited. We we're talking about like where, where my desk was going to be. I was going to still work out of Manhattan. I wasn't going to have to go to Bristol. Um, and, uh, I got an email from HR and they were like, hey, because we offered you the job and everything's like all signed, sealed, delivered, you didn't apply like a normal person. So we don't have any information about you. We don't have your email. We don't have your phone number. We don't have your emergency contact. We don't have your resume, like nothing. And as HR, we need all of those things to put on file. And so I was like, sure, no problem. Send send your applications, like whatever. I'll fill it all out. So um, 
I'm filling it out. It's like emergency contact, cell phone number, email, da da da. Where did you go to school? What years did you go to? I went Seneca College from 2007 to 2009, or 2009 to 2011, whatever it was. Not indicating that I did not graduate. I was probably making it seem like I had. Because at that point, sign, seal, delivered, have this job. Who cares if I went to school or not? Period. Whether I graduated or not is a whole other story. I've been working for like four years at this point. Um, and so I sent that off. Didn't even think about it. Flew to Africa, having a great time, helping the children, yada, yada, yada. I get an email from HR being like, hey, so we called Seneca. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Yes, it, they're saying that you didn't graduate, um, that you're missing one credit, care to explain. And I was just like, yep, totally my bad. Didn't think it was that big of a deal. Like like I said, signed contracts, everything signed, sealed, delivered. You already have like my direct deposit ready to go for January 01. Like I already know where I'm sitting in the office. So bad mistake by me, lazy mistake by me, just like kind of thinking that this was not going to be a big deal because I... I didn't. I already had the job. I really didn't think that they were going to look into my past at all. Minus, like, maybe a, um, a whatchamacallit, a criminal record, which I cleared. I aced. I'm, I'm a perfect person. Um, but, uh, and so I was just like, oh, my gosh, this this is bad. Like, I, I didn't even know at that time. I was just like, yeah, sorry, I, I didn't pass. I'm, I'm missing one credit. Here's my transcript. Sent them my transcript, which was showing that I was only missing one. And I was like, totally my bad. Um, you know, I can talk to anybody who wants to, to explain the situation, but I really don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm going to go back to Africa and enjoy this time off that I have before I start a crazy new job. And even the, what would have been my boss him and I were talking. He's like, yeah, sorry, you have to deal like, you know, it's it. And I was like, I'm sorry that I, I have made this a mess, but I'm going to go back to what I was doing. Still not really worrying about it. And then I got a phone call maybe like 24 hours later. And he's just like, are you sitting down? And I was like, Oh, he calls you in Africa. He called me in Africa and was like, are you sitting down? And I was just like, I am now. And he's just like, HR at ESPN, I guess, because they are by the book. Something's happened in their past or, or whatever, uh, or because it's owned by such a big company, Disney. Um, they are black and white by the book. Nothing can be off. Even after we've sent you the contract, everything signed, sealed, delivered, nothing can be false on your records. And because you put that you graduated, we have to revoke your offer. I'm in the middle of nowhere on the phone with somebody from New York City telling me that when I get back from Africa, I do not have a job. And so I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. I was just like all this hard work that I have been kicking my own ass for is down the drain because I wrote something on a piece of paper that I didn't put enough thought into. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, my God, my, they're going to take away my visa. I'm going to have to move back in with my mom. I'm going to have no way to make money. I've already said goodbye to everybody. I've already told everyone I'm going to ESPN. What the hell am I going to do? And thankfully, that, that what would have been my boss, he was very understanding and, and apologetic. He was just like, I am so sorry that this is happening. This is insane. I've talked to everybody that there is to talk to, but this is the final stance. This is what we got to do. And he was just like, I will talk to people at Fox. I'll talk to people at MLS, whatever you need to get those offers back on the table. Like, I will really help you out. So did you call Thank your God. mom from, from Africa? What did, how did, like, so you hang up with that guy. You uh, And by the way, I'm Clay Travis. This is Rachel Bonetta. You're listening to Wins and Losses. You hang up the phone and you do what when you're in Africa and you get that info? Cried. 
cried and, and I think drank a beer because <laughs> I, I was in shock. I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even know that this could happen. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if I called my mom right away. I think I called my agent because I was just like uh, – and I had to explain to him what had happened, which – explaining it was just embarrassing. Like, I was like, this is such a stupid mistake on my part. Like, it was just, it was dumb, and, and I was starting to really be self-conscious because I was like, wait a sec, are, do, these people are going to start thinking that I'm a liar, like, that I was trying to fib about, wh- like, you know, what happened at school and, and that I, uh, I was trying to pretend that I passed. And so I had to explain all this to my agent, and he was just like, Jesus Christ, what did I sign up for? So then he immediately puts out calls to Fox Sports and MLS. Thankfully, after some, you know, massaging, again, I had to tell everyone what happened. I had to tell MLS what happened. I had to tell Fox Sports what happened. Like, I was devastated. I was like, people are going to start questioning my character. This is by far the worst thing that's ever happened in my career. Uh, still to this day. Gives me nightmares. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've never been one to get into trouble. I'm not that kind of person. I'm like a goody two-shoes, minus the one time I got suspended in high school. It's a different story for every day. Um, what did you get suspended this, in high school for? We'll talk about that later. <laughs> it was, I, uh, this was like the first time that I ever felt like I was in trouble. I was like, oh, my God. And uh, so they put out a bunch of calls to people that knew me, that had worked with me before. And they were like, you know, is Rachel shady? Like, w- w- what should we think about this? And they're like, oh, my God, no. She's hardworking, da 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 Like, basically everything that I've told you about my career, people v- very much vouched for me. And they're like, this is a mistake. You need to hire this girl ASAP. And thankfully, Fox Sports uh, came back and they're like, we still really want you. And and even upped their offer in the first place, which was insane. Like, that's unheard of. If anything, they would any any other company would probably offer less because you could would have gone there for ten bucks. Um, and so I was like, yes, 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 Fox Sports, yes, yes, yes. I wanted to sign with you in the first place. Oh my God, yes, 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 yes. Signed, sealed, flew. To, was like, looked at. My, had to tell all this to my boyfriend too. I was just like. I'm not going to be living here in a week because everything happened so fast. I had to get rid of my apartment. I had to go to LA. I had to find an apartment. I had no money at the time saved for a big cross country move like that. Cause I assumed that I was staying in New York. Um, and I was just like, uh, we got to break up. I'm moving to LA and this is devastating. And, but my career is number one and, and I got to go. And so, um, I, I moved to LA and started working with Fox sports and started working on their digital team, and um, they've been absolutely mind-boggling, incredible. In fact, I've re-signed a new contract just about every single year that I've been here because they keep on making they've they kept on making my role bigger and bigger. At first, I signed on to do a digital thing, and then I signed on to do digital TV, and then I signed on to do digital and even more TV, and now I'm a full TV contract. Like they've just believed in me and pushed me and. I mean, that, that's insane. I've signed a new contract basically every single year that I've been here because my role just keeps on changing. Um, so who went to bat for you at Fox? Um, Matt Schneider, who ended up hiring me and now is, is one good, of my really good friends. Who is a good guy, and I hope he's listening here. So uh, so he, uh, he went Shout to bat Matt. for you. Great hire. Yeah. Great hire yeah. by Matt, who's and, now, at the, uh, now at the NFL Network. Uh, yeah, and uh, and Scott Riddell, who's still a producer at Fox Sports, he was the one that kind of called around to a couple of people. Him and I were friendly, and he was just like, I know you're not this person, but I am going to go call some people that you've worked with and just kind of get an over, you know, more people who have your back. And so he called a ton of people. 
and were like, yes, hire her, yes, hire her, yes, hire her. So he could bring that to Schneider and be like, there's so many people vouching for her. Like, we, we need this girl. Um, and and, and Riddell uh, is yeah. also an awesome guy, by the way. And both of them, when we'll get to this in a minute, when Lock It In happened, they immediately called me and they're like, you're going to absolutely love working with Rachel. She's fantastic. Aww. Um, and so, but did you think going back to that Africa, when you get that call, did you think like my career's over? Oh, 100%. I remember sitting out, we would wake up really early because we were going into these like really small villages that were like hours away. And I remember sitting out at three 30 in the morning, we were getting our car packed and I was like three or four and, uh, the early morning prayer was happening. And so I remember sitting, maybe it was later on the day. I was remember sitting on the stoop listening to this prayer being just like shouted into one of just just like sirens all over, just being echoed all over and just looking into like the the sky and being like, it's over. I'm done. I'm going to have to go home and face the music. And I've really messed up this time and I need to grow up. And I was just really angry at myself because at that point I was just like, this was an incredible experience. Now what the, what am I going to do? What, which path am I on now? Like I just had no idea what was in store and I had no idea that Fox was going to put the offer back on the table. Thank, thank God. I, I was just like, thank you so much. I would absolutely love to take this, but I'm going to go with option A because A, B, and C. And I was actually Matt Schneider, the one that I turned down. And I think he understood. I was just like, I need to stay here. I've got a new boyfriend. I'm close to my family. My dad passed away a few years ago. I still need to be close to them. Um, yada, yada, yada. And he was super understanding in the first place. So I'm so glad that him and I had such a great connection um, because it was easier for me to call back and be like, hey, so this is what happened. Please take me back. So what do you do at Fox? What do I do at Fox? Yeah, yeah um, you started. You're doing I'm, digital videos, right? Yeah, I started working at this thing called At The Buzzer. So it was like any video of a guy getting like a softball to the nads. We would be like, oh my God, check out this viral video. And they'd be like 30 second things that we would. Sometimes it would be like during commercials, they would roll on Fox. So I was getting on TV in that way. But usually it was just like videos, like viral videos that we would put back out on Twitter. Um, but that ended about like a year after it got canceled a year after I started with Fox and they're like, we still really want to use you. So we're going to keep you around. You're going to still do more digital videos, but we're going to keep you in the soccer space. So that's kind of when I veered off at Fox and started doing like only soccer, um, and so I was doing soccer digital, like up, literally up until last year, like last summer when I got locked in, I had just gotten back from the World Cup in Russia. So We'll get to that in a sec. But so you and I meet for the first time that I remember at the Fox Super Bowl party because you had done, what did you do, like a Lady Gaga video? Yeah, I wrote a sketch that they were actually going to put in the pre-show uh, the night before the Super Bowl, which was like still insane. It's crazy. Uh, and so I wrote a sketch. Uh, so I was going for that. And then we were also just like going to go shoot some fun stuff. For di- that was a beautiful thing about digital. It's just like, let's just go hang out. Let's make some videos. Let's put them up on Facebook. And they'll probably get insane amount of views because that was just like the Facebook algorithm at the time and, and, and on Twitter and stuff like that, too. So I went there. And then I was also I did some stuff for Garbage Time for Katie Nolan's show, which was super fun. Uh, and so branching out, that was like the first time that my current boss now, Charlie, our current boss was was like, Hey, we want to start getting you more on TV. So you're going to come to the Super Bowl and you're going to do garbage time. You're going to do a couple of hits for them. And I was just like, okay, let's do it. 
Um, so yeah, constantly just like putting me in situations that were terrifying, but that made me grow so much in the process over the last few years. All right. So then, uh, you, uh, like do what? Like, so you, you had an, you set in for Cowherd a couple of times, like as, as Fox starts to think, okay, maybe this girl can be on television. You said earlier you wanted to be an acting and actress, uh, and, and things like that. Were you doing any kind of, any kind of things in that respect? And I think probably this is a long question, but people who have listened and are listening now can tell you're quick, right? Like you, you said, you do a lot of improv, but you mm. think and talk rapidly, which is, uh, which is obviously uh, good for unscripted television. What were you doing? Like, what was the transition point from video to television? I was a part-time student, basically. I was in class four times a week, whether it was like straight-up acting class or improv classes that I was taking at Groundlings, which is like Groundlings is home to so many SNL alums. Like you've got Will Ferrell, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Kristen Wiig, just to name a few. Like Pee Wee Herman went there. So it was, it's like the ultimate school for comedy in L.A. So I was going to that, taking uh, like straight up acting classes and just like really fully immersing myself into the creative process, which was also helping with all of the comedy sketches that I was writing for the Fox Digital side as well. Um, and as I was starting to do more comedy sketches, like this has just been a trend in my career, like doing more creative stuff and putting it out there. I started getting... Um, I started getting meetings with people on uh, the studio side, on the TV side, and they're like, who are you? What are you doing? Where did you come from? And how do we get you to do more? So it was, um, I've always said over the past few years as like I've developed at Fox, from the beginning, I want to grow up here. I want to grow and become whoever I'm supposed to be at Fox because they're so nurturing and so patient and will will let you make a mistake uh, and will let you grow in in your space. And I feel like so many times people are like, eh, she's not doing so good. Let's grab her off. And and they let me squirm and and kind of figure it out myself, which I'm so thankful for. Um, But it it was just a lot of meetings. And sometimes I would get a chance. I remember the first time I filled in for Ka- on Coward Show, Chris Carter and Nick Wright were doing uh, like a test run for their show that was being developed, and so they were filling in. So it wasn't even the herd; it was a three-man team, and maybe they were testing me for to, to host that show as well. Although that was pretty early on, I don't think they were doing that. Um, and I bombed. Oh my gosh, I bombed so hard. I could not figure it out. This was the first time I was on television in the United in, in the U.S. And I remember somebody came out. I, I kept on screwing up because I was doing uh, what would have been Christine Leahy's role at the time, so just like the news updates. And uh, there was like a, um, you know, Colin would be like, okay, and over to Christine with the news. And then there was like a do 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 like a musical thing. And I would never stop for the musical thing. I'd be like, okay, the news of the day is. <laughs> and I did that like four times in a row. And I remember talking somebody coming over, out. Oh, talking over the uh, Where I'm like talking the over the music, so you can't even hear what I'm saying anyways. And I'm like, oh, I just kept on forgetting about it. And I was also so nervous. And I remember somebody coming out. I had done it twice. Somebody came, and, and I had a third hit in the show. Somebody came out and was just like, you screwed this up twice. Don't make it three for three. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, I'm fired. Oh, I'm fired from a job I don't even have. Um, and it was just a bad day. I ca- it was, did you screw it uh, up the third time, or did you get it right on the third time? I, I think I got it right the th- third time, thankfully. Uh, but Chris and Nick were probably like, who is this? Why were we stuck with her? Where's Christine? Uh, 
And uh, so it was a while. It was it was a while before I was back on TV. Uh, <laughs> they gave me a second to figure it out on the digital side. Um, but then uh, I just started filling in like randomly, randomly here and there uh, for Christine. And I actually got to sit in with Colin one time. Then another couple of times it was like Doug Gottlieb who fills in for Colin sometimes. And then uh, I think the kicker was going away to the World Cup, and I was doing a lot of TV at the World Cup because we had so um, we had so many different programs happening. We had a Tonight Show, we had a Daily Show. I had my digital show, which very much felt and looked like a television show. I was reading off prompter, and, and we were doing it live, and yada yada yada. Had you been um, to Russia before? Oh my God, no! What do you mean? Had you been to, had you been to Europe? Spot? <laughs> Just once. I'd been to Ger- Germany. Just that's it. So that's a big deal for people who don't realize you went over to Russia. The U.S. misses the World Cup, which is like just devastating to people. So bad. Where were you when the U.S. got beat by Trinidad and Tobago? I think it was right. Where where were you? Tobago, Tobago. I was at a bar. We were doing a live stream. We were doing. I was doing a lot of soccer coverage even leading up to the World Cup. We had like a a pre-show and a post-show anytime the U.S. had a qualifier. So I was at a bar and we had to go live seconds after they had gotten knocked out. And I was with Stu Holden, who used to be on the national team. He is an analyst for FS1 now and calls crazy games like the World Cup final uh, on Fox. And um, him and I just had to like go through this 15, 20-minute live show of being like, okay, so the U.S. isn't in the World Cup, but we're still going to the World Cup. We're going to be in Russia in the summer. And it was just like a weird... It was it was a weird balance of like being excited and and being sympathetic to all the American people watching that they didn't just make it into the World Cup. So, um, so I, I covered it every second leading up to it, and then was there for the actual thing, which was pretty incredible. So it was incredible for everybody who watched it. You also ended up hospitalized. What happened there? I, I did, yeah. Um, I woke up, we were working insane hours. Like I, I was doing my show, like I mentioned, and then I was also doing the tonight show. So oftentimes I was working like 12, like full days and, uh, and then also like going home and watching the games too. So it's not like I ever stopped. And, um, so I woke up one day and I was really sick. I just did not feel good. I couldn't get out of bed. I showed up to work and they were like, go home. You look bad. If you get anyone else sick, we're in trouble. So you need to go home and like rest. Um, and I, and I didn't like vomit or anything like that. I just felt really weird. I felt weak. I felt like nauseous and I was like, I don't know what's going on with me. So went home, slept for like 15 hours, something crazy. And then woke up the next day and was like, okay, I feel pretty good. Showed up to work, worked another crazy day. The next morning I woke up, usually because of the time difference, we were shooting later on in in the night. So I wouldn't finish until like 3am and then I'd go home and then I would sleep until like noon or whatever. Um, I woke up at 8 a.m. the next day, and I was just like, this is not good. I still need to be sleeping for a few hours if I'm going to be able to stand. Uh, and I felt really sick, again, like super nauseous. And I just like, I just started puking, like so bad. I texted our team doctor, who was kind of like traveling around to all the different hotels that, that was like in charge of Fox. And uh, I was just like, I'm in bad shape. You need to come to my room. Like, please help me. And he, when he found me, I was on the bathroom floor because it was cold, the tile, and I was, like, burning up. And I, I just, like, couldn't move. I was just like, if you touch me, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up right on your face, so you better not touch me. And uh, he took a shot of morphine and put it in my butt, and that helped me to not vomit. And they've transported me from the tile floor in my bathroom to the hospital. 
in an, in and, an ambulance? Uh, in, not in an ambulance, no. We had, like, some security cars. So they transport, transported me to the hospital, and... Um, I went in there and had like a bunch of scans and they're like, your gallbladder is more than twice its normal size and we have no idea why. So we're going to have to do some tests. Um, at that point, thankfully, I had, the morphine had made me stop vomit, vomiting and, and feeling so nauseous. Uh, so I was like, okay at the time. But, you're in, so a, I went but you're in a Russian hospital, right? I'm in a Russian hospital, and as you can tell by my history, I hate hospitals. They give me anxiety. They freak me out. I spent way too much time in them as a kid. I cannot stand hospitals. So I'm, like, literally watching Netflix on my phone because, like, I can't think – I cannot be here in my mind. I am not going to sit here and stare at the ceiling feeling like super nauseous still. And I remember at the time I hadn't been fully admitted yet because they hadn't figured out my insurance. And so I was in like a wait, like one of those like waiting rooms where there's like a ton of beds and you're only really separated by like a sheet. Um, I was in one of those for like probably three hours. And uh, I remember they wheeled this guy in. Keep in mind, I'm so nauseous. They wheeled this guy in from Boston of all places. And this guy has severe diarrhea and has had diarrhea for 48 hours and would go into full detail in length for the next 20 minutes while I sat and <laughs> choked down my vomit. For it was, it was laughable. I was just like, this is not happening to me. Why, why are we both in this Russian hospital? So they ended up admitting me. I spent the next three days in the hospital begging them to let me go because I wanted to get back to work. I had to have a fill-in, which was just like, this is my show. I need to get through the World Cup. Like, this, I need a Medal of Honor once I finish it. Uh, and I was, I was, like, devastated. And I just, like, watched TV and ate croutons and waited until my gallbladder went down to normal size. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. 
And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. I'm Clay Travis. This is Rachel Bonetta talking about her gallbladder on wins and losses. They figure out what caused your gallbladder to just like double in size? They said it's a combination of things. It was like, it could have been stress. It could have been eating different foods, which we absolutely were. The, the food in Russia was, uh, as you can assume, pretty different. Um, no sleep, all of these things. And I was like, I check all those boxes. So yeah, it makes sense that I have a enlarged gallbladder. But uh, it just took, it, it took like three days and then I, I started feeling a little bit normal, but then I couldn't eat normal food for like, a couple of a couple of weeks, I had to have like boiled chicken and rice just until my my body went back to normal. So you come back from uh, you survive uh, living in Russia. You come back and you want to do television, maybe. And when did you hear? So Lock It In is is being worked on. Uh, I guess that yeah. would like the next summer, right? Like the next summer after the uh, after the World Cup, or was it the World no Cup? same same summer? I literally yeah, right I got all, home from yeah, right. from uh, Russia, like let's say on a Friday. And I got an email saying, uh, Charlie Dixon, who's our boss now, wants to have lunch with you on Monday. Are you around? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I come to the Fox lot, and I have lunch with Charlie. And Charlie's just like, I'm developing a show. Um, and uh, Chris and Thomas is going to host it. <laughs> and I really want you to uh, be the fill-in. Like, whenever she's sick or wants to go on vacation, I want you to be the designated number one fill-in. That way you're going to get reps on TV. You're going to learn this space. You're, it's, it's just like the perfect place for you. And he's just like, if it's not this, if you're not interested in this, it's something else. Like, we definitely want to get you on TV this year and, and like, you know, it, more experience and yada, yada, yada. And I was just like, I'm absolutely down. Like, I will start tomorrow, whatever you need. And so he's like, okay, great. Good to hear. Glad you're into it. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Somehow from that Monday to literally the following Monday, shit hit the fan and he called me on Monday. He's just like, okay, so how would you actually like to host the whole thing? Uh, because that's, a, that's, a, that's up for grabs now. Um, and I was just like, yep. Yes. Yes. That's terrifying. But yes, I'm in. Um, and so he's like, okay, we're going to like test it out and you can meet the guys and, and we'll see. He's like, I'm not promising anything, but let's just, you know, go to the next step and, and see what this looks like. And so we were all, I mean, you guys were flown to LA Still had no idea. I think in their minds, they were like, okay, well, she's going to host it. Still, to me, I was just like, okay, this is very much like a tryout. I need to be very proper and like just like really wow everybody. And uh, so I showed up to the meeting, um, met Sal, met Todd, had met you once before. And uh, we just had like a really great first table read. I don't know what it was. Um, but do you remember that? Like all of us were yeah. just like clicking and jiving and like making fun of each other from the get go, from the beginning. That is just like how we have done this show. Uh, and I remember like people looking around at each other at the table and they're like, okay, this is it. This is a group. Uh, yeah. and then like a couple days later they, Charlie called me into his office and he's like, so we want you to host the show. And I just pretend vomited. I was like, okay. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and then we just did, like, a bunch of trial runs, a bunch of rehearsals leading up to the show, and then it was launched. So probably from the time that I found out I was getting the show, it was, like, two weeks till it actually happened. Two weeks, three weeks, maybe. And, uh, by the way, Carissa decided she had so much going on, she couldn't do a daily one-hour show, which then left it open for who was going to be the host. And yeah. you just swept right in, but... It's talking about taking risks, and uh, I'm Clay Travis. It's Rachel Bonetta, wins and losses. You've taken a lot of risks and a lot of creative risks in your career, but you didn't know anything about gambling. 
Like that, you you were like, yeah, I'll do the show. But you're, I mean, you said earlier, like you didn't know much about soccer when you started MLS. You just kind of threw yourself into it, and they gave you like a binder to try to learn as much as you could before gambling started, right? One thing that I'm really thankful for is I'm a quick learner. If I'm if I'm like dedicated to something, then I will pick it up. Um, and so that yes, they gave me a binder, the gambling bible, and I went home and I just started tearing through that thing and had somebody like sit with me and kind of like under like because gambling. I feel like when you first look at it, it's a lot of numbers. It's like super intimidating. It's like whoa, this is a language that I don't even understand sometimes. And so somebody sat with me and, and talked to me as a human being and like discussed every kind of game that you could play in terms of uh, sports gambling. And I just got it. I picked it up and then I just had to learn the terms and like how to say the numbers and the way that we say it with the haves and, and the plus and minus and yada, yada, yada. Um, and then I, I just figured it out. But also football was not something that I was like, I, I've covered soccer for the past few years. And even if it was something that I was watching, I, ha- I, haven't ta- I haven't covered it in a way that you're full on talking about it every single day, especially on TV. And TV, you basically have to be pretty bang on about everything that you're talking about in terms of like facts, unless you're Clay Travis. Um, <laughs> so that was also something I was having to learn as well. Uh, so I dove into sports gambling, I dove into football, and I picked it up relatively quickly. But then it was also like finding the confidence to talk about it too, um, and talk about it in like a way that you would talk to your friends, because that's exactly what our show is, like a bunch of people chatting about, you know, what games they like and what kind of bets they like. So it was a lot of work. It was a ton of work. I remember like being very close to panic attacks a couple of the nights leading up to our first show, because I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I think they've got the wrong person. Um, but uh, thankfully things things went the right way how so we talked about that first table read we were it's not on the lot we're sitting there for people who may not understand what that's like it's there's no cameras there's no dress up like there's no you know makeup or anything or nobody's dressed in fancy clothes or anything like that but you just kind of do a mock show and almost from the get-go it was really really smooth I mean I knew Furman I didn't know Sal at all I didn't I didn't know you other than to have met you at that Super Bowl party and right. so uh, I don't think you knew anybody, right? Like you didn't know any of the three of us. No, I, I didn't know anyone. I, uh, I remember our boss calling me and being like, do you know who Cousin Sal is? And I was like, yeah, that's, that name sounds really familiar. And I had my computer in front of me and I looked it up and I'm like, oh yeah, Jimmy Kimmel. Okay, yeah, yeah, I got that. Uh, and then I had met you literally one time before um, and I didn't know Todd Furman. So I was just like, I was going in pretty blind for sure. So, so, how, so first of all, they announced the show. And are you like people immediately are going to say things bad about me, right? Like, did anybody say anything bad about Sal or Furman to you? Um, I don't think so. I think it was all you. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. my mom calling me and being like, "Who? Like, what is this Clay's guy? What's his deal? Like, why is everyone? You know, you would think when you announce a show that everyone's going to be like, rah rah rah, yes, like this is amazing, congratulations." And they're like, "I would watch it if Clay Travis wasn't on it." <laughs> it's like. <laughs> What am I signing up for? Oh, my goodness. Um, But I was excited. I remember there's a photo of my mom that my aunt took when I called her and told her that I got the job. And it's just like her with a huge smile on her face being like, oh, my God. So that was pretty cool. But it's exciting. I mean, it's like a new venture. And people that have watched you grow for as long as people have been watching me grow, I think when I say, like, all right, I'm moving on to TV, people are like, that is awesome. Like I said, I've had a lot of – I've been really lucky and had a lot of 
positive uh, people following me, and so I, I I don't really get a lot of um, nasty stuff unless they, you're somehow involved. Yeah, of course. So, how nervous were you before the first show? Um, I was freaking out. I was freaking out, and I was freaking out for a, a long while after that. Like I, the first half of uh, of our season, I probably didn't sleep much. Like I was just like constantly in fear of getting something wrong, and like that dates back to when I was a kid. Like I didn't have somebody who was being like, "Great job!" Like you should have all the confidence in the world because, like, like I said, my parents were busy with other things. And so my therapist has helped me navigate that road. Um, but uh, so I'm, I'm constantly just in fear of like being wrong, saying the wrong thing, not doing well, screwing up, getting fired. I mean, even yesterday we had our, you know, we've, we've had our season premiere of, of uh, season two of Lock It In. And um, my boss was just like, yeah, I got, I got a couple of notes. I'm like, you know, you have to call me tonight and tell me those notes now or else I will think about it until tomorrow morning. And they were all good notes. But he called me. He's like, I know I had to call you because you're just going to go crazy over these things. And he's like, I'm like, yes, I'm glad that you know the kind of person I am now. Um, but it took a while to kind of find my footing and get comfortable. And live television is terrifying. When you're first starting out, I don't think people I'm, – I'm sure people realize that it's a scary thing. But when you're sitting in front of the camera, you feel – I felt like a kid. I felt like a child that first day. Like, oh, my God, somebody please hold my hand and walk me through this because I cannot do it alone. Uh, but thankfully, I just, like, blacked out and got through it and got through the next day and the next day and the next day. And now I'm, like, you know, pretty used to it and, and feel much more confident about everything in terms of, you know, what we're talking about. But it was pretty scary there for a while. So what I think is fascinating uh, about you in particular is you're young, um, but you don't like you can be made fun of on the television show in a way that I think a lot of people can't. Um, And Mm. like people make fun of me all the time, whatever. I'm 40. I've been through, you know, like that's kind of been my life story for a while. But I feel like in this Instagram age that we're in, so many people are like, they want to put out a, a version of themselves that's perfect, but you're comfortable in the imperfect. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. I think I just like want to be, I know it's going to sound so losery, but I just like want to be me. Because I look at so many other people on Instagram, and they're like putting out this like perfect version of themselves. And like to be honest, I, I definitely curate my Instagram to what I want it to be. I'm not like showing all the sad stuff that I've talked about on here. Um, but I feel like it would be so easy for me to post photos where I'm like looking good and you know feeling good and and I feel like my followers would probably jump way up and and you know anytime I even post a selfie on my Instagram it's like astronomically more likes than if I were to post a sunset picture you know what I mean so I can see what works but I just don't want to be that I feel like I absolutely want to be an advocate for women in this space in sports and in television and there's not a ton of us and so when I I'm looking at somebody, whether it's on social media or TV, and I and they've got like you know gigantic boobs and they look perfect. I'm like, I can't do that. I can't be that person. But maybe if somebody's watching me and I'm being a goofball and totally imperfect and messing up my lines and laughing at myself, then maybe they're like, okay, I can do that and be probably better than that. I just I I, I do think about that a lot, and I would never want to be somebody that I'm not. And and that version of you know 
and, and kudos to those women who, who can feel comfortable in their skin and be sexy and all that stuff. That's just like not who I am. And I, I never want to be like that. I just want to be the goofy me that I am. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. We're talking to Rachel Bonetto, wins and losses. You get tagged a lot uh, on things that I say or do, and people are like, how in the world can you stand that awful human being, Clay Travis? A lot of people, a, a lot of people who are listening to this right now are already going to like me or at least tolerate me, but also there will be people who are listening to this right now that are fans of yours that don't really know me or they are fans or they're just finding this. And, and I hope this is something people will listen to for a long time in the future. And they're listening to this after you just won an Emmy or after you, just won, after you just won some award for an acting related uh, venture. But what I would argue is people don't have to agree on everything to like each other. Right. And I just yeah. want to address this because I'm sure that you're going to get tagged as soon as I put it up. Like, Oh, how in the world can you spend time with clay? Like you and I don't agree on a lot of different things in the world. I don't agree on mm-hmm. a lot of different things with my wife or my parents or anybody else. I tend to get along with everyone. And I feel like there's a, a sort of zeitgeist that's out there right now of, if you don't agree with everything, you shouldn't be hanging out with this person. And I feel like even though we disagree on things, you probably agree with me that life would be kind of boring if you only hung out with people who agreed with you on everything. I think that's true. And I think that if anything, you have taught me that this year because I feel like, you know, I'm 
you know, pretty to the left, and I don't agree with some of the things that that you post. And um, same with some of my family. Like some of my family voted for Trump, and and I don't necessarily agree with that. But um, that doesn't necessarily mean they're an absolutely atrocious person. And I think that um, it's like our society is a mess right now because all of us hate each other because of where we stand politically, and it's just never really been the case before. And it's only going to make problems worse. So I think that, you know, going into this show, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to work with Clay Travis. He's just talking about boobs on CNN. Like, how am I going to get What did you think, this? by but the way, when you heard that I said that I was a First Amendment and boobs absolutist? I think you thought you were Dingleberry. I was just like, this guy's a loser. What is he doing? He's trying to get a ri- like a rise out of women. And I was, I was, I remember you. I was talking to somebody, one of my girlfriends, who was also working in sports, and we were talking about it the day that you did that. And I was just like, I was pissed because it was at a time. I think like the the Me Too stuff was happening, and it was just a time to be angry as a woman. And I was just like, how dare he? Like that's just so stupid. Give us a little bit more than that, and like talk about women in a way that we deserve to be talked about, not just like from our boobs. And I was I was genuinely angry. And then, you know, people, I say stupid stuff too. And, and not to say that, you know, you, you should have said that or you shouldn't have said that. We don't need to go back into that. But I think that just because somebody tweets something or says something, that does not tell you totally and completely who that person is. And I think that that's what I've learned this year from doing the show. And Sal and I had a lot of conversations about this in the beginning because him and I are, you know, relatively similar in, in you know, what we what we think and what we feel. I don't mean to speak for him, but um, him and I had this conversation like, we totally thought we were going to hate you because we thought you were going to be a butthead. And, and you're not. You invited my mom into your home and my mom's met your mom and, and our families have like come together and you've been nothing but nice and supportive to me and my career. And it's a little bit disappointing that you're not as big of an asshole as I thought you were going to be because I was fully prepared to hate you. But you are, you know, I I think that you're right. I think that, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to agree with everything that you say and you're not going to agree with everything that I say, but that doesn't mean that we should not try to be friends because what I've realized is that you and I do have a lot in common and we stand on the same ground in some places and that's what makes people friends and that's what makes relationships happen and I think that more people should have uh, an outlook on that and in fact I spent some time with my my uncle who you know otherwise I'm I'm have nothing in common with a couple weeks ago and him and I had a conversation which we hadn't had in like a couple years and I tried to be on common ground because that's that's me trying to look at the world in this light now you know uh last couple of questions for you and thanks for all the time this is I so think people long are... <laughs> what the heck uh well, last couple of questions for you you're not even 10 years out of high school if that's weird yeah and i still think that's crazy and i think there's a lot of people who are going to be listening and think that's crazy too because you remember your 10-year high school reunions or whatever else but if you were about to have your 20-year high school reunion so 11 years from now a decade plus what would you hope you have done by 38 that you haven't done by 27? Hmm. By 38, I hope that, first off, I, I really just hope that I'm happy because we can, I, I feel like this phase of my life, I'm realizing like, I've already done a ton of stuff with my career and um, that's just, it's, it's not everything. Money isn't everything, your accolades, like it's just not 
it's not what you want to leave the world with. So I hope that I'm in a place that I am happy and not so career obsessed, which I am right now. I hope that that kind of like dies down a, a little teeny tiny bit and that I'm at a place that I, I'm happy with. But also that I just like keep on growing and taking on more opportunities and, and just staying the same person and not becoming um a jerk or an asshole. And I feel like going home helps that a lot because my mom still lives in a very, very small town with only like a hundred people. And so going back to those places where no one knows who you are and um, you're treated like everybody else is, is very grounding and, and a beautiful thing for me. And then I just keep on making stuff because we can, so we can get caught up in, in our busy day to day. Like we do a live show every single day. It's almost impossible to go home and have energy to do anything like a, freaking two-hour podcast right now, but um, I hope I keep on writing and making something that I'm really proud of, and um, I've got some projects on the on the back burner that I'm going to try and put my all into this year and snap again like I did when I was like 10 years ago, um, and I just hope I'm happy. I said the last, this is the last question. So you are, what I like is, I like people who are honest, right, and authentic, and, and just mm-hmm. saying what they think and what they feel. Um do you worry at all about being so open in, you know, sort of an era where there's almost no privacy at times, right? Um, or is that just something you're naturally comfortable with? Because there's people who are listening um, to this right now, and they're going to say, wow, I love Rachel. I didn't know her before. And they're going to be like, "This everything that she said in this podcast was so honest. And I knew you would. Yeah. But sometimes in our society, that's rare. Yeah. Well, I think that... Um I don't know. I, for, for me, okay, when when I think about mental health and I think about depression and anxiety, and I also have obsessive compulsive disorder that was really bad when I was younger, that used to make me feel crazy. I used to think that I was a crazy person and that nobody else on this planet felt that way. And that made me feel isolated. It made me feel disgusted when I thought about myself. I, I, I hated myself for that. And it wasn't until, you know, recently people have been more open about their mental health and I've learned more about obsessive compulsive disorder because people talk about it more. And, um, I've been able to feel more comfortable in my skin. And so I feel like, you know, there, there's, there's nothing that I feel too attached to in my personal life besides maybe like my personal relationship, which you guys like to make fun of almost every single day yeah, on I our mean, live national I don't television know show. I don't know that he's ever going to propose to you, to be honest. <laughs> Besides that, like, you know, every, everything that I've been through, I hope talking about it helps other people go through it. Like the loss of my father, that was something that I was really, really hard to overcome. And I can only hope that's why I talk about it is that people talking about things that pertain to me when they're open about it, it's made me feel better. So then I realize, okay, well, if I keep on pushing this and keep on talking about whether it's mental health or grieving and death and or success or being a female in sports um, or being really lucky. You know, there's so many people that could hear my story and be like, oh, shit, like it doesn't matter. Like if I work hard, I could get lucky and and have this career that I've been that I've been hoping for. So I think it's so beneficial on in so many ways to be open about your struggles and also your wins as well, because you don't know who's listening. And you don't know who it can uh, eventually help. Are you happy now? I'm pretty happy. I'm getting there. I'm working on it. I go to therapy every single week, and that's been really helpful. It's. Do you go to therapy? Do you talk to anybody? You probably should. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many. Um, I have so many so many voices in my head. I just uh, talk to them. Um. 
No, I'm, I'm, I can say I'm definitely working on it. I think I'm really, I'm, I'm finally this year, I'm like, wow, I, I can't believe I've done so much. Even, even like taking moments like this when I'm like looking back on my career, even though it's been fairly short so far, it's like, I've done a lot and I've like worked my butt off. Like I'm exhausted and I'm still going and I'm still so hungry for more. Um, so I don't know if it'll ever be, uh, I, I hope that one day I can fully be like, I'm good. I'm I'm really happy in this space. I think that I'm just so hungry right now for everything that's coming down the pipe and, and for this new season of Lock It In and next year and next year and next year. And um, I'm just like so excited. I just like want to do more. I want to be exhausted at the end of every single day. Like you do a radio show, you do a podcast, you do television. Like you probably feel so fulfilled when you hit your pillow every single night. You're, you're mentally and physically exhausted. I want to, I want to be feeling those things. Rachel Bonetta, go follow her on Twitter. Uh, she is outstanding. If you haven't before, I'm telling you that in the years ahead, and I, I rarely say this, in the years ahead, you're going to do pretty awesome stuff, and I'm excited to see all the things that you're going to do. But in the meantime, she's hanging out with us on Lock It In every single afternoon. Go follow her. And if you're listening to this years down the line, I think it'll be cool if you tag us, uh, assuming Twitter's still around in 10 years or whatever. <laughs> My hope is in doing these long-form podcasts that they almost stand as like, uh, you know, like different sort of seminal moments where people can go back and be like, oh, th- th- I hope that this is just as good to listen to in a decade as it is uh, next That'd week. That would be pretty cool. That yeah. would be very cool. Well, thanks for All having right. me, buddy. Thank you. This is Wins and Losses. I'm Clay Travis. Rate us uh, on uh, iTunes. This has been Wins and Losses. Sorry, Clay Travis and Rachel Bonetta. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits... LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.